You're listening to The Piano Pod, where we talk to the brightest minds in the industry about how they are bringing the piano into the 21st century. Welcome back to another episode of The Piano Pod. I am Eric Hunter. I am Clara Jong. I'm Yuki Misong. Our guest today is Jonathan Ong, classical pianist, improviser, arranger, and Twitch streamer. With over 57,000 followers, 2.4 million views, and 3,500 hours of streaming time, Jonathan is ranked in the top 0.1% of all Twitch streamers and is, needless to say, among the world's top Twitch music channels. Everybody, please welcome Mr. Jonathan Ong. Yay, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Some of our audience might not be familiar with Twitch. Um, and so I wanted to ask you if you could talk about a little bit about what Twitch is and why you chose it as a platform for what you do. Oh, absolutely. Oh, well, the, the, let's go top level. For absolute top level, what I do is busking on the internet. That's oh, literally that's what true. it is. Mm-hmm. It's just busking on the internet. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you go a little bit into what Twitch is, Twitch is basically an empty space. Much like YouTube, it's an empty space. You, you have a, a channel with your name on it, and that's just an empty room, and you just got to put things in it. And uh, people, most people know Twitch for, as a gaming platform. Mm-hmm. They put, you know, they, they game playing it because that's the focal point. That's what people congregate around, and, uh, and then they start talking about it. But the value add for any streamer, uh, the reason why anybody will continue to come back, would either be because they're good at that thing that they're showing off, or that uh, they add commentary or that, you know, they have to bring something to the table for people to keep coming back. Absolutely. But that's essentially what Twitch is. It's like interactive television based mm-hmm. around interest that you can find. And you'll find that it's not just gaming and it's not, also not just music. It's art, it's sculpting, there's people wandering around uh, IRL, you know, in, in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people making, no, I can't even remember what I'm saying. There are people animating. There's all sorts of things that uh, people do. Cooking, cooking's a big section now, actually. And uh, oh, wow. there's, oh. even, uh, there's even some people who like sell yachts around the world, like they're selling a yacht around the world and you can follow them and they've got amazing like drone cameras and things and you can actually just explore them. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. So I'm starting to get an idea, but just for the sake of comparison. So why do you choose Twitch over something like YouTube or Facebook live streaming, Instagram streaming? Well, the thing about um Instagram and things, there's, there's, there's a limited um, amount of customization at the moment. So, for example, uh, with Twitch, you can literally get this amazing free broadcast software. And actually, uh, this will work with YouTube and, and uh, Facebook as well, but we'll talk about it in a second. So, uh, it, as long as you can harness the power of your PC and this free software, open broadcasting software, uh, Studio, OBS Studio, uh, you, you will end up being able to present almost anything you want basically limited by your ability to put in graphics and sound and, and that's it. That's the only real limitations. Uh, so Instagram doesn't have quite that flexibility yet. Mm. You have to, you have to get, do work around to get around it. Facebook has got a very different uh, culture. It's, it's Facebook gaming and the way they do their chat and so on is, um, of course, um, it's like in comments, like on Facebook posts, mm. which doesn't feel as organic and doesn't flow as easily to me. Mm. Uh, and then Twitch is actually sort of like the YouTube of live streaming. It's quite, mm. it's it's quite niche still globally, but it's an it's a it's the big daddy of um of live streaming websites. And when we ourselves like music are a niche, it's helpful to have um a really really big platform. So that way, at least within the big platform, your niche is a bit bigger. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that makes With a lot YouTube. Of sense. 
Yeah, with YouTube, I feel like YouTube is really, really good for polished content because uh, they give you an engagement stat of how long people watch your videos for. And uh, depending on the material, of course, like if it's something like music, people just want to hear the song for two to three minutes and then they're good. But a live stream, and especially the sort of things I do, uh, they go for about six or seven hours. And I don't know if the last time you watched a seven-hour YouTube video. Not recently. Not recently indeed. Yeah. So it's for more curated content, I think. More polished, more curated content. Whereas Twitch, it's, um, it, it's literally things you create in the moment. It's sort of like a cafe. You go to a cafe. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And people can jump in or out anytime. And they You're do, geeking. yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually saw uh, your your show or episode or whatever, and then it's literally seven, eight hours. Yeah. Like you're streaming, you're performing it, the entire it just, time. It just goes that long. And uh, when I first started, <laughs> that, if I need to use the restroom, yeah, but that's it. What about like lunch or yeah? No, you don't. You you don't. You have a big old meal before you start. I mean, there's nothing saying that I can't. There's nothing saying that you can't. Mm -hmm. And uh, technically, you're supposed to take breaks every two hours and whack Mm -hmm. up a BRB screen or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm I'm very task oriented, so um, because people in my community have requested songs to be played, Mm -hmm. and it takes me a good deal of time to work my way around them and build them into arrangements and things. I guess if I had a tagline, I suppose my stream would be the slowest production stream. No, hang on. The quickest <laughs> production stream on Twitch, but the okay. slowest request stream. Because uh, most people, when you ask them to play a thing, they play the song on their instrument. And then it's done. It's gone. And that right. took about three minutes. Uh, but then for me, they go, can you play this? And I go, well, not yet. And then I listen to it. And I basically transcribe enough uh, notation that I can I do the song in about five to six minutes. And then I loop it into and some orchestral or symphonic metal yeah. or wow. uh, bands or whatever. And of course, because it's a loop and it's sound and it travels through time, we have to build it layer by layer by layer. And so this entire process takes the better part of 30 to 40 minutes, depending. Wow. But then we can perform yeah. usually almost the whole song with a full arrangement and solo over it like it's my own messed up piano concerto, which I really, really have fun doing. Oh, that's so, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, so the thing is then people queue up all these things and I, I get really like tunnel visioned and I'm just like, I now, I'm, I'm here on the internet until I finish the queue because people tipped kind of for those and so yeah. I have to do them. So the stream only ends when the queue ends. <laughs> I see. Okay. Well, that takes a lot of dedication for sure. It's like an unspoken social contract. Yeah, yeah. It's, as you know, it's just trust. So people say, oh, you're offering this and you do this. And then if mm-hmm. you don't do the thing, then those people may not support you anymore. So you got to So basically your show, show starts and um, you take a request from the viewer, yeah. correct? And then, you know, you hum the melody and from watching the actual music, whatever, whoever the artist is. Basically, yours is... Um, it's an arrangement. Arrangement so of the... Uh, yeah. Transcription. Right, right. Transcription, yeah. yeah. So and it's then, not a direct transcription, of course. And then you're mm-hmm. making your arrangement and then orchestrating, like in front of the streaming audience. Yeah, you're making... Oh, that's live. amazing. Wow. <laughs> it just, it developed that's on the platform. amazing. 
because you can't put that anywhere else. <laughs> you can't put it yeah, anywhere. Like, true. where does it go? So yeah. it's a Twitch-specific format. I do more traditional mm. things. Like tomorrow, I'll be doing a more traditional thing. Every every two weeks, I, I um, because of the streaming, I was able to acquire a like a old concert ground from Beckstein. Mm. And, wow, uh, then I then I've gone and messed with it a lot. I've gone and put all these lights in it, and I put like yeah. a laser strip in it, and and so now it's it's sort of like a quasi. It's not digital at all. It's fully acoustic, but um, it, it has digital effects and things tied to every note, uh, which awesome. I really yeah. It's so cool. It's so cool. It's basically my car for the next ten years. <laughs> but uh, you know how it is. Your pianist too, and uh, and I do more traditional streams where I I sit there and best bang out all sorts of tunes for about four and a half hours. They used to go really really long, but it's it's really really impossible to um, maintain a really good quality over seven, eight hours yeah, of just piano sure. playing, as you all know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's so yeah. hard. Yeah. Wow. So first of all, I think anybody listening probably is already really interested to check out what it looks like, what you do. So we'll say it again at the end. But can you say your uh, Twitch channel address for the viewers? Oh, and then we will put it in the description later. But yeah. what is it? Uh, it's www.twitch.tv slash Jonathan Ong, which is J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-O-N-G. And there's no spaces or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I was I when I first made that um that channel, I it's really my first social media platform I'm taking very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what handle to use. And actually I didn't really have a lot of time to think about it because I was supposed to just hop on with a friend and, and play some stuff. So I literally just plugged in my name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is you know, it's a, it's a great way to de-anonymize yourself on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> uh I, I'm curious, where where did you find the inspiration to do that? I, I had a friend who uh was on Twitch. I don't know if he's still on now, but he's doing very silly stuff. So I never even thought of uh, one time he was like, oh, I was seeing you can dance. <laughs> like, I'm not a dancer, you know. But what inspired you to actually do this with this big production? Well, we're pianists and pianists mm. are basically hermits, right? We don't, we don't, uh, and, and you know, you don't get to play with a whole bunch of other people yeah. almost any of the time unless you mm. do chamber music and things. Mm. And the problem with chamber music, okay, so this is going to sound probably pretty terrible, but the problem with doing chamber, chamber music and things like that is the more people involved in your stuff, like the harder it is to get it out there and do. And I, mm. so I did some collaborative concerts and I found them uh, excessively sort of like, difficult to organize and then when you actually do the the event it's also hard to make them financially viable because now everyone also needs to be paid so then everybody basically ends up with dinner money at the end of a thing that supposedly grossed five figures so it's like okay this is interesting so uh but at the same time there's that thrill of playing with other instruments still right Mm, so back in the beginning Way before I knew what Twitch was, way before Twitch even existed, actually, uh, back then, I think Twitch started in 2011 Mm -hmm. and it wasn't called Twitch. It was called Justin.TV because a guy Mm -hmm. basically streamed his own life and just went around and it took off. Uh, The original live streamer, pretty much. So that was really cool. But uh, I was doing tertiary education at the time. I was doing a a post-grad. And um, I just realized that all these VSTs and all I wanted at the time was to make really dramatic orchestral music and play piano along with them or recreate some piano concertos and play along with them. Mm-hmm. And so I bought 
one string library and then I bought another string library and then I needed to fill in my woodwinds. And, and before I knew it, I'd spent a, a completely insane amount of money as a student on a fairly large collection of VSTs, you know, all these virtual mm. instruments. It gets and addictive. I know what you're talking about. It, it's horrifying. <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. horrifying. And then yeah. uh, I found Craigslist mm. and Craigslist um, had all this secondhand stuff, you know. And so I found it like a, a guitar. Because I've always wanted to play guitar, but that was never an offer in my lifetime and you know, when I was growing up, and so I just never did. And, and so there was this guitar, and I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. It's like really dorky, but it's also kind of cool. Maybe I should – and then I just bought it. And I had no use for it, so it just appeared at parties when everyone was drinking and I was playing along, and it appeared in a few friends' YouTube videos and things like that. And the same thing for my for my VSTs. They were too limited in scope because I'd only spent the better part of like $8,000 or something at the time, which is huge. But, but in the world of VSTs, is is not that much, sadly. So I'd basically, at the time especially... So I had nothing to do with them. And I tried doing some film composing gigs with friends and they never really went anywhere. And I, so I didn't know what to, do, you know what to do with it. And then I came back here to Australia and just got on with the serious business of surviving in my adult life, you know, day to day, music teaching, classical performances, <laughs> uh, things like that. All the normal things. And it's only when um, I appeared on Twitch and I realized that, oh, I can actually, maybe I can use this stuff. Okay. The real turning point was when um, one one particularly good special came. I, I, I'm a sh I, I don't have a shopping problem. Um, the fact that it seems highly suspicious. Oh dear, I don't know. I don't How many keyboards happened. are in your background over there? Uh, n um, uh, none. <laughs> yes, none. Same so, uh, basically, <laughs> <laughs> for anybody listening, he just eliminated the background. That's right. <laughs> uh, to be honest, though, like most of the stuff are, 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 that's a used one, says that and says that. And that was a present. And that was like 40% off. And that was like, <laughs> somewhere. And that was like, <laughs> and so it's like, it goes like that. And this was a bonus. It's, it's okay, Jonathan. We're really not auditing this. You can relax. <laughs> I bought all these VSTs. I had no use for them. Twitch came along. And then I realized I could actually use them for something. And I could actually do what I wanted to do previously. And the real flip turning point was when I just bought this loop station. And I was like, I'm going to learn to loop. And honestly, I don't know if I've learned to loop because I think I'm the only person I know who's using the loop station in this way. Usually you loop with eight bars, 16 bars, 32 bars of something, right? And you groove mm -hmm. and you do the thing. And we're classical musicians, so I find that really hard to jive with because I get bored. Yeah. I'm used to things evolving and changing and things. And so what do I end up doing? I make it even potentially more boring by looping you an entire 90 seconds to two minutes of whatever song it is, which includes verse and, and, and chorus structures and bridges and things like that. The entire structure gets looped and then I arrange over the top of it layer by layer, like a dot matrix printer. <laughs> so, so it's, a very, it's a very weird way of using a loop station. But then I end up with these loops that are essentially full, fully orchestrated tracks. Uh, that's that's really neat. Yeah, you're right. I never heard of anybody really? using a loop station that way, but it does make sense that that's how you know we would do it as classical musicians. We yeah. like uh, we like complexity in uh, you know in our in our structures and in our chord progressions and our melodies, melodies. and yeah. constant evolution. 
right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for for for, for what it's worth, anybody I've, I've tried to who is in this space, who's like streaming or doing social media, anytime I've tried to explain to anybody what I do, they go, "Oh, that's not going to work." And I go, "Well, well, it's it's working. I'm making a living." And they're like, "Oh, oh, that's a surprise." because <laughs> it's technically it's so long for the internet but what i found much like in the school playground except you know much 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 bigger and better uh in the world you can be your own kind of weird and yep. you find enough weirdos who like what you like and you don't need that many of them to have something good going and that's basically what's happening here i think yeah I and mean, that's the power of the internet right i mean don't sell yourself short like what you do is amazing, right? And it's you've clearly so found a large audience. So it's not that that niche, but but it is true that you know, with we can reach out internationally, right, and find people in all diverse pockets of the world that way. Absolutely, yeah. It's really it's actually really cool to like if it to going back because I remember this other point to this massive collection of stuff. I won't go through a shopping list or anything, but one of the things is that um. Uh, that got hammered into me at school was something about how you need a social and a physical environment. You know, this whole thing about uh, a child, child in uh, education and things. You need to give them a social environment and a physical environment so that it can, they can learn music. The physical environment, of course, is your instruments and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the social environment is the encouragement of development of, you know, this, this particular interest. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, the reason why I was buying these things was actually because I was like, I don't really know how to use them, but I'll never find out if I don't get some. Yeah. So then I got some, but then I, I sort of just fell off the cliff and bought all of them. So <laughs> Sometimes you got to do that too. You know, it's, it's good to have options. And that's also the creative <laughs> mind part, right? Like if you're not so creative, if you're not free with your mind, and then we are always staying with the tradition, it's hard to actually to explore. You know, sometimes that's a very, we... that's, yeah, that's a, that's not, I don't know if it's a creative mind. I think creativity mm-hmm. is a thing um, that gets trained out of us if we, mm-hmm you know, in educational contexts, uh, because we are so, we're guided so much towards goal-oriented things and uh, task-oriented things uh, in the course of our, our education. If, if you're not really lucky, your education becomes purely vocational. It trains mm. you for a thing. But yeah. as, music, as musicians, um, as musicians who go through college, the training really only trains us to go and do the same thing that our professors do, mm. kind of, right? Yeah, because that's you can you're you're best able to guide people along things that you know how to do yourself. Absolutely, and, I mean that's their area of expertise. Yeah, of course. And yeah, so then when we spend all our time um, focusing on the things that we're trained to do and things, no one's actually going around telling you, "Hey, you should feel free to go and explore," especially with classical music. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, this interpretation's wrong. Oh, these notes are wrong. Like, you know, yeah. this, is, this is outside of the, of the guidelines and things like that. And so because we become so specialized um, and so proficient at interpreting things within our guidelines and things like that, uh, when we try and start making up stuff, improvising, arranging, messing around with things, it feels mm-hmm. like we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. You find that? Oh, so, yeah. 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 It took me years to get over that. Oh, my God, it's so painful. Yeah, it's very and I'll hard still... for yeah, all the classical musicians, like even the students, our students, right? Like we all teach. It's hard for them to improvise sometimes in the beginning because they're so used to being told Knowing. what to do by yeah. the score almost. You know, it's right. like when you do it outside of the score, you feel like you're 
being a bad child almost, you know. There's so something have have... comforting about about just playing, you know, as faithfully as possible to yep. the composer's intentions. It's very comforting because it's actually not fully us, is it? It's it's like we're not it's responsible for these. Yeah, we're not responsible for this. This is not actually my heart, my soul, my emotional state. This is right. actually me portraying what I think. And so when you start going out and making your own music, then it's just like, oh, oh it all feels weird now. Yeah, it's a very exposed feeling. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, confetti for your birthday. Here we go. Ready? Come on, G. Thanks for the confetti. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Confused. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Confused the Kid now. Happy birthday to you. You still can count down 364 days, but maybe you don't want to, cause you want to enjoy the age you are. Your experiences in, in in the United States. So, how long you've been? You, you were you in uh, uh, California? I believe you were in California. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, I managed to get into the master's program at USC in two thousand and seven. Hmm. So, from about July August, I, I went over there and and just had a blast actually until um, until March twenty twelve. And that's basically, that's how long it took me to finish my master's and my DMA. And oh, wow. yeah, they just kept funding it, fortunately for me, because otherwise I could never have done it. I'm very grateful for them for that. Well, uh, so you, you, you went to USC Thornton School of Music? Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Like Eric. Oh, wow. Yep. Well, that's right. Uh, we just uh, missed each other, matter of fact. Because mm. yeah. I graduated 2006. Oh, so you guys didn't know each other back then. You just met later on. Yeah, I mean, pretty much like I came back to visit during the summer, but we weren't students at the same time. And I heard about Eric uh, from other students because he was really well known at that time. And so, popular guy. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, me and my roommates, we threw a lot of parties. So oh, wow. Maybe a bit of notoriety. But when you were in California studying and you were studying like strictly classical music, like performing arts? Yeah, I mean, it's a classical yes. piano doctorate, but they're minors. And so if I if I could do it over again, actually, I would have gone even more left of field and done something like a business minor or something like that because mm. um, I think all musicians, 
In fact, most people these days need to be their own entrepreneurs. Like you That's need to true. be your own business person. And uh, freelance, I used to be really scared of it, but really it's, I think now it's the way place to be. Obviously, I would say that because that's what I'm doing. But <laughs> well, you found <laughs> success with it. Amazing you know? job. You found a working formula. Yeah. But at the same time, it would have been handy to have a bit more like structured grounding instead of just sort of like wildly flailing your way through the landscape. Uh, but what I was studying, uh, the, the major was classical piano, but the minors were jazz because I've always been interested in jazz. And mm. then music education, because I figured I was going to have to try and find a job somewhere. Although actually that was probably the most useful mine I took and music industry, which meant that it wasn't all just classical. I did, I spent a bunch of time, um, through the music ed and music industry streams doing a bunch of other things mm. that are, were not classical or jazz. Mm. And that meant that I, I spent a lot of time doing, um, child, child education. I actually volunteered in some nursing homes to, uh, provide entertainment for them and things like that and started doing shows for them on a regular basis. Uh, with the music industry stuff, then we had more formal training with, uh, mastering and mixing and things. And USC actually has an enviable sort of roster of actual industry professionals who just happen to come into USC and teach. Uh, so I picked up a, a few good tricks from there. I also learned that I'm never going to be a really good mastering engineer, but you know, it's, it's good to know what you want to do and what you don't want to do for the business. That's school. a highly specialized. Okay. It's yeah. so specialized. You sit there listening to minute, uh, fluctuations in, 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 in the frequency range and trying to make things sparkle. And I, I found that it made, it changed the way I, I listened to music in a way that, well, it wasn't music anymore. Right. Yeah. So I figured I probably wasn't going to be very good at that. <laughs> But yeah, technically it was mostly classical piano and anything else uh, that came out of it, most of it was sort of self-directed because um, I actually, I know why that happened. I was sitting in, in one of my music education lectures one day and the professor said, who's going to work in a university? And literally everybody put up their hand. <laughs> and were, I felt like sitting there really? looking at the 16 people in the room and I was just sitting there going, there are many universities across this country alone and there are many rooms like this full of DMA candidates sticking up their hands going, I'm going to work in a university. And the last time I looked at the job postings for universities, there weren't many posts. <laughs> so I was like, crap, i got to find something else. <laughs> Plan B. Plan B. Yeah. Although ironically, I did end up working in a university and uh, I only, I, I had to make a formal decision as to whether I would do Twitch or uni at some point. Yeah. yeah. I went home and faithfully carried out the traditional path uh, because it's a good path and there's good things about it. But I, I just wanted to go and explore a bit more and, and enjoy my freedom. Yeah. yeah. Well, but when you envision yourself, uh, you envisioned yourself when you you were young, before you came to mm. the United States. Did you think of like doing the, the streaming like you're doing right now, or you it, it, only, it, it, mm. yeah? So life life is basically you, you get you get dealt a hand of cards, mm. and you can only play your cards in each round according to what you know and what you have, mm. and that's basically that's what anyone can do so you can't like uh so i didn't know what live streaming was until i finished my doctorate and until i was here working in schools i worked in universities and i worked in in, in primary and public schools and things like that uh these were the best cards i had so i played them and uh and i was satisfied with that and then twitch came along and i played that and i didn't know what was going to happen it's a bit of a wild card and it's now gone 
uh, it's managed to sustain me for for two, three years so far. And I don't know when it will run out, if it will run out. I don't know what will happen next. Um, that was the biggest part about um, about career and, and uh, freelancing and things that was difficult to get um, comfortable with. It's very difficult to get comfortable with. The, the days where we actually get a job and we sit in the job forever are totally gone. And actually, in this point, if I sat in a job forever, I don't know if I would like that. I'd, I'd feel like I'd become part of the wall or something like that. In fact, somebody said that to me when I was finishing my studies. Both times, when I did my bachelor's, I was there for four, over four years because I was doing a, 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 an honors degree. And then when I went over to USC, I was there for five years, as you know. And in both times, my friends or colleagues or people who were new to the school, they were like, oh, you're leaving, but you're like part of the furniture. And and something within me, I was like, I, I don't want to be part of the furniture. Yeah. I, don't, like, I don't know how I feel about this. And so I feel like I, I've, I've become more comfortable with a life of sort of change and what you could possibly call insecurity. Mm-hmm. But I like to think of it as, as sort of like potential for, for more, sometimes less. You just have to take it as it comes. It's a big adventure. It is a big adventure. And that's, this, that's part of the game. Uh, so. While you were in California, did it really influence you to be who you are, where you are right now? Or I mean, absolutely. Oh yeah, Mm. absolutely. I loved Mm. California. Um, It's just that I was a resident alien for tax purposes, and I didn't see any prospect of that changing. So I thought I better go back home, where I had like you know citizenship rights and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and the only way for me to stay in in California would have been either to get married, which wasn't happening i'm still not married and uh Hear that, to, um... for all the viewers out there we have a as i was saying either to you know by marriage or to work as a as a lecturer in an institution and then you wouldn't be able to change jobs or anything yeah. and that seemed to me so so difficult and um so I wanted to go home and just figure myself out. Mm-hmm. But California was formative. The degree I got, the degrees I got at USC, um, I may not be directly applying them, but I indirectly apply them every day because it becomes part of you. Something, something that, something that traumatic, so, something that formative <laughs> becomes uh, <laughs> becomes part of you. All those papers you write and, and all those things they force you to think about with philosophy of music education and development and exposure to things and the things that you're supposed to teach children. And as you live those things by teaching children and, and other students yourself, then you start thinking, oh, well, these are things I should apply to myself, which is actually part of the whole thing here. Like I said, the social and physical environment earlier, the um, the needing to grow and to be uncomfortable to sort of like... Um, push myself in new directions, trying to just stay out of a rut, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's very tempting, isn't it? I'm oh, the yeah. most comfortable on stream when I'm playing a song I've played, uh, like a classical piece, oh, song. <laughs> a classical piece I've played since I was like 10. And, and, and I just sit there playing fantasy impromptu and just chatting because honestly, that is so deeply ingrained within me. I could probably be, be half a vegetable and I'll just put me on the piano and I'll just do that. that's the most comfortable i am but the challenge of course is to continue growing in some direction um a bit like all the people who who we look up to or 
I mean, I look up to anyway. Any anybody who I've looked up to hasn't really sat there just doing the same thing. They sort of they sort of have had had, had strived for something. And it doesn't necessarily need to be like material success or anything. It's just being a better you. Sure. Yeah. It's you know the the thing that jumps out to me when you say that is that's been a common theme on our show with all the guests that we've had on. People, you know, some younger, some older, uh, some quite advanced in their careers doing very well. Everybody's still looking to grow. And I just feel like that's such a rare quality. But you know, not in professional musicians. That's one of the great things about what we do. It forces us to, and then eventually over time we come to need that. Absolutely. Actually, I'd think that I would say that we could extrapolate that further. I think pretty much any industry where you have people who are sort of, you know, doing quite well in it, it requires adaptability and growth. And to, um, to, to sort of like point out even contemporary musicians. And now I have not, I have only half a leg to stand on with contemporary things because, uh, I was a classical musician who literally lived under a classical rock that was about the size of, uh, Mount Vesuvius or something. It was a huge mm-hmm. classical rock. I only ever started listening to to non classical music when I got my own car and realized the radio tuned mm-hmm. to other stations, and uh, it was that. It was almost that bad. I mean, right. you know, there was some sanctioned things from the parents, but you know how far that goes. And uh, <laughs> so it was like, oh, there's all this other music, but people like Madonna, for example, who has reinvented themselves multiple, multiple times over the course mm. of their careers, or Kylie Minogue. And like, you, you think about performing and in music industry, the first thing they teach you is at some point your career will end, but it's just yeah. like, when? And yeah. for uh, these ladies, for example, they, these, these, uh, they have reinvented themselves so many times, their career is still here, they're still going. Mm. And that's kind of inspirational. And you'd find that in many... Um, other industries, that that's just adaptability, right? That okay. ability to reinvent yourself and to stay current. Prior to Twitch, I, I was looking at my smartphone and they were talking about how it tracks you and things. I was like, hmm, I'll put on my tinfoil hat and we're like, I'm going to get rid of this thing and I'm going to buy a dumb phone like a Nokia, go back to the good old days where it just, just calls and texts and I'll be fine. And, and then I was like, I'm happy with being obsolete in this point. I like, I'm happy at just sort of like just... I'm going to be teaching, I'm going to be lecturing, I'm just going to be doing serious classical piano, I am quite happy here, I'll just stay here. And clearly that didn't really happen. Uh, but I think we, we make a deliberate choice, either consciously or subconsciously, we make a deliberate choice that, yeah, we're, we're tired of keeping up with the new and this is where we are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then that's when we start we, that's when we stop growing, really. That's when we, we, we stop growing and then we just start sort of getting into that really well-worn rut. So yeah. my challenge to myself usually is to try and stay away from that. Although I tell you why. <laughs> it moves real fast, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yeah, but yeah, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know, what, can, what can I say? I, just, I, I know the feeling that you're talking about. It's like if you stop moving, you start dying. You know, absolutely. That's why all these old sayings you think of that people, you know, people just quote at you as children, and you just go and roll your eyes. Uh, that Rolling Stone gathers no moss thing. That's literally what we're doing now. We're just rolling stones, and that's exactly what you guys are doing with the piano pod, like moving with the times, taking advantage of the fact that we can now actually talk to other people, find people who like what we do, and explore things like this together. It's actually really cool. Yeah, we're really enjoying it. Do you encourage other musicians to live stream also? 
I mean, Absolutely. right now, you know, it's COVID. So everybody is kind of doing live streaming or re recording uh, their own performances. But do you encourage, would you like to encourage younger pianists? Definitely. Actually, um, one of the reasons why my stream was sort of family friendly for a really long time, I've sort of eased off the word family friendly because it actually excludes people who don't identify like younger people who don't identify like that. But uh, it's it's because I want people to realize that there's things you can do with your music, that there's more there's more avenues for self-expression, that music is something that you should be able to participate in actively as a practicing member, as a practicing musician. It doesn't have to be Carnegie Hall level uh, classical musicianship. I myself will probably never perform at Carnegie Hall. Uh, right now, yeah, Maybe. really. Like this is, this is this is it. Mm. <laughs> the world the world will change significantly before that happens. I think, but do you know what I mean? It's about showing people that there's different uh, there's different things you can do. There's places you can be that you, that you don't need to be told where and how you can express it. Mm -hmm. And Twitch is not even known as a music platform. Twitch is a gaming platform, technically, or you know what yeah. people people brand it as one. But here I am, and, and there's a lot of people like me who are doing the same thing. And it's a lovely community of people who like to share things. Uh, if I, if, and the main thing I would say is that you cannot, you cannot go into any of these things thinking as a business to begin with. Mm. Because none, the, I think I didn't turn a, a meaningful revenue until two years in. Mm -hmm. So it was all just hardcore passion. It was like, sure. after work, I'll get home. I'll set up some cameras, I'll set up my microphones, and then I'll go. And after every stream, I had to pack it away because I was teaching on that instrument the next morning. Yep. And it was just literally like that for over a year. It's basically you're being your own startup. Mm -hmm. And to, live streaming is, was, was a, is a crazy ride. It was, the, um, first, it was the first thing I'd done where firstly you can go backwards between one day and another by like 60%. And then you could just be sitting there in a slump for like months or even a year. And it actually happened to me before I changed my timetable to become more healthy. And, uh, and then I just sort of like threw away like two thirds of my audience and just sat there because I couldn't come to watch anymore. And then I was, I was like going, oh, okay, so now I can't pay my bills anymore. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And so you really need to actually love the medium and, and sort of like what you're doing on it. Because that's the only thing that's going to keep you going long term. Like with anything, it's sustainability. Uh, the other thing is like there's, there's lots of ways you can express yourself. And some people will find that they're better at producing really beautiful things on YouTube. And then you don't have that stress of constantly sitting there and being tied to your machine for like ages and ages and ages every single day. And then you can still get an interaction. There's actually, I'm not very good at YouTube, sadly. Uh, I would like to be better at it because these are all complementary things. So I'm not discouraging people from trying Twitch. What I'm saying is if you try Twitch and you find it's not for you, then you should try different platforms. You should try Instagram. You should try Twitter. You should try YouTube. You should try and find things. These tools, these platforms are there. Uh, they, do, they, they are currently still pretty democratic. Mm -hmm. they, they, you know, they're, they're a bit equal. They, they allow us all to have a go. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you should have a go. We should all have a go. Because... Sure. Uh, you shouldn't have. We should not settle here for sit, for sitting there and waiting our turn in the established structures. I, that's what I think. Mm. I'm looking at the time. I think we need to start wrapping it up. Is there anything else you guys wanted to get to? I was going to ask: Would you ever consider performing again in the concert setting, like in the concert hall? But you just answered. 
like no Carnegie home, you're, you're not interested. So yeah. part, part of it is because part of it is, is actually structural. Like there's so many things I want to do with, uh, mm. I'm, I'm going, I'm actually working on some cover albums. I've uh, released an original album. I'm actually sort of like working on improving those things because everything I believe very much so in experiential learning and, and development things. And I know that the more of these I do, the better I'll get at it and then I'll get my, my workflows down and so on. So I'm just battling my own inertia, actually. The reason why I don't cover albums already is because surely, just sheer inertia. But uh, like part of that with a classical, a classical concert, I don't think I'll do classical concerts anymore. I, I, I did work with, um, with some people to present series of them, you know, before Twitch. But now this is like, post twitch this is current yeah. twitch like you know so it, it it's i no longer have the six hours to practice a program every day mm. i wouldn't well, be satisfied you're performing. yeah i'm Just because i'm performing different things now yeah. so i wouldn't be satisfied with the things that i'll bring in the traditional arena i think there are other people who are doing that far better than i can now mm. and i've invested myself in this other thing which is mm. i don't even know what it is honestly but it's fun and I'm I'm having a blast doing it. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep going with like a blade of glass. <laughs> Wherever really we go. Cool. I just I had a sense. couple of things that I, I want to address before we leave or leave. Uh, one thing is that I, I, I know you have Asian background and you live in or you're from Australia, you lived in the US. Uh, what yeah. is your audience like on Twitch? Like do you have a oh, it huge constantly. international yeah, it Are does change constantly. See, uh, yes. Yeah. So Twitch gives you statistics for every single stream you do. Right. So uh, basically almost half of it comes from the US. Mm -hmm. And then oh, okay. the second biggest one is actually France. Mm, wow. Which is interesting because I don't speak French well at all. And I never use it on stream. <laughs> <laughs> but Twitch is very big in France, and some of oh. the uh, the French streamers have um, come to visit me with their communities, and so that's why the, the representation is really high. And then it's like a big smattering all through Europe, mm. uh, and Canada is fairly high too. And then all the way down near the bottom, about seven to nine percent is Australia, despite me being Australian. And that's because of the times I stream. I stream at really weird times for Australians. I see. So, yeah, trying to reach the other continents. But so is do you think Twitch is more popular like in certain part of the world than other? Like Definitely. so you're saying there's no um, in Asia there's not too many no, uh, followers correct. at all? Absolutely. Uh, Twitch is Twitch is sort of like a neophyte in Asia. They're they're mm -hmm. trying to work on it, and actually in Southeast Asia, like in, in Oceania, like Australia, mm -hmm. New Zealand, it's the main one. But it's also still doesn't really have brand recognition and penetration yet. It's mm -hmm. still what they would consider an up and comer. Uh, so, for example, if you lived in Southeast Asia, or if you lived lived in the, the Middle East, or I think Facebook's actually the place to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, for, I don't know what the stats are for YouTube. Like I said, that's a black hole to me. I only yeah. really know Facebook and, 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 and Twitch. So depending on where you live in the world, where you're listening to this, this podcast from, that may impact on, on what platform you want to be on as well. But you should just try all of them. And you think there's a big uh, community of like classical musicians or you're the only one right now? Because... Oh, you know what? I, when I first started, <laughs> I was the only DMA holder on, I, on, on the platform. But now I think there's four or mm. five people who are taking it pretty seriously. Yeah. And then there was, there's like, a, there's some really crazy CVs on there. There's a, there's a man who, I, I, my, Takayoshi, Takayoshi uh, he's, he's, he's actually um, 
educated. For, he's he's got a degree from the Mozarteum of Salzburg, mm. uh, and he plays mm. harp and he plays piano. And he says he plays piano badly, but it's a professional level, mm. and it's all yeah. extremely polished. You can find something you like. People practice on the on the platform um, on on Twitch while they're getting ready for their IRL gigs and things like wow. that. If you like serious classical piano, there's people who focus on that specifically. I used to have. Um, I think uh, the the standard just keeps going higher because it's a global thing. So anything that's global, you kind of have to sort of, you know, again, keep adapting. And uh, and so I think I, I don't even have the only concert ground on the platform. There's actually two. And uh, there may be more in the near future. <laughs> so, you know, it just it keeps moving. And so as the platform keeps developing and the community within it keeps developing, more and more of this stuff will actually become very normal, I think. I Very normal. I'm just sort of like a little bit ahead of the curve on throwing all my money into a giant technological pit. So it's time for rapid fire questions. All right. My brain's fast enough for this. Here we go. All right. So it's a rapid fire, so you got to go chop, chop, chop quickly. All right. So are we ready? The first question. So what is your favorite fruit? Fish. Cats or dog? Dog. Dog. Mm, All right. Dog. What is your word to or words to live by? Uh, if you're, if you're, hang on, wait. Mouth got stuck. If you, <laughs> <laughs> words to live by. Don't if be you're not, nervous. If, if you're too comfortable, you can't grow. That's mm. What is the most important quality you look for in people? Mm, just being genuine. Mm-hmm. You, you want them to be genuine. Right. You won't always like who they are, but at least you know who they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, as opposed to that, what is the worst quality in people you want to stay away from? Well, clearly, like when you can't trust what anything they said, a lack of uh, uh, an ability to trust them, so untrustworthiness. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right, we're gonna keep on going. Name three people who inspire you, living or dead. There's a lady called Dr. Sheila Woodward, mm. and. Dr. Christine Logan, these are mentors of mine who have really had massive shape, shaping on my career. And I would, like, I would say Pablo Casals, although uh, he's just springing to mind because I keep remembering this one anecdote where they say, why are you still practicing at the age of 80-something? And he goes, because I think I'm still getting better. That's a huge one. That's a yeah, great one. I love that one. That is really cool. Yeah. All right, now, being 83 years old, not that so old, which historic figure composer or do you want to learn or take lessons from if she or he were alive Franz list because so much of the stuff we do is uh firecracker tech you know technique yep. and stuff like that he's the man who just married all of them together oh my gosh so many people use friends list which historic figure uh do you want to hang out with at the bar if he or she were alive okay this one's a bit weird the first person that came to mind was George Washington. Cool. <laughs> it's not me. At least I'm more than one dimension, one and a half dimension. <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess he's not, you're not going to be eating a lot of corn nuts with his wooden teeth. Oh, that's funny. Oh, no. And the last one, what other instrument would you like to be able to play besides piano? Actually, violin. Oh. All right, my turn. Name one piece in your current playlist. Ah. Spirited Away for Reprise, which is also known as Chihiro's Waltz mm. by Joe Hisaishi. Okay. Uh, what about a book title you're currently reading? Mm. 
I've just taken delivery of uh, How to Be a Master Negotiator. Okay. Oh, I heard of that book. This, this question always annoys people. You only get one song or piece to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it? Muse Exogenesis Symphony. It's, uh, it's in three parts, so hopefully that counts. Okay. Let's, we'll take it. And fill in the blank. Music is blank. Oh, my God. You just evoked evoked my uh, music philosophy course. Music is organized <laughs> noise. Organized noise. Yeah. Organized noise. Good one. I, I'm sure you could expand on that for another whole podcast episode. That's right. You Probably. Come back next time. I think that's yep. one of the best, the, one of the best things that came out of a doctorate was the ability to just talk about things for way too long. <laughs> well, that's we have enjoyed every word. Yes. I've enjoyed being here. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Jonathan, for joining our show today. And thank you to the audience for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please read and review on whatever pl- podcasting platform you use. If you are watching it from YouTube, please hit the thumbs up button and be sure to subscribe to our channel. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. The links are in the description below. If you have any feedback for us, please leave it in the comments section or direct message us via social media, or you can also email us at thepianopodnyc at gmail.com. Hope to see you all for the next episode of The Piano Pod. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you so Thank much, you, Jonathan. Jonathan.